You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. And I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music tech and the company behind the Music Tectonics Conference. We're getting pumped in just a couple of weeks. Everyone's going to be descending on Santa Monica, California. We've got three amazing venues for a super cool conference, all sorts of experiences. You'll have a chance to hang out in our VR playground or ride a merry-go-round and go to our uh, startup roundup. Um, we've got all the panels and keynotes and all sorts of great stuff. And so we want to give you a little bit of taste of what's to come. We've had great support from Lander all along, and it's super exciting because Lander is one of the companies that's helping us tell the story about this connection between the traditional music industry and the music creator side of things. And they really see the value of pulling those things together, the relationship between the creativity of making great music and also the opportunity to build a career out of it and monetize it. And so I'm super pumped. We've got a a double header today on the podcast. We have uh, Daniel Rowland, the head of strategy and partnerships at Lander, and Patrick Bourget, who's the product director at Lander as well. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, Dimitri. Hey, what's up, man? Good to see you, Dimitri. Good to see you too. And to have you on the podcast. Did I get your titles right? Those are your current titles, right? No? That's right. Okay. Totally. As far as I know, unless it's changed. Okay. Well, you've been there a while, so... Uh, it, I know, right? I get... <laughs> I don't know what my title is. Yeah. Like. Your your title seems to have changed a couple times. So, um, I mean, you've... I guess I guess technically it's uh, not so much that it's changed. You've been promoted <laughs> at times or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're also both uh, audio creators as well, right? Like uh, both producers. Um, you're an engineer. Uh, and uh, And so it's cool that you get to have your fun and your work at the same place, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a real pleasure. I think having come up from the music space and then doing the production stuff and now working for a, a company like Lander that's really facilitating things for artists is uh, pretty incredible. Super awesome. So Daniel, you earlier this uh, year wrote an article for Billboard that kind of ties us all, all together. It was called Meet Them Where They Are, Empowering New Music Creators. What was that about and what, what spurred you to write it? Yeah, it was about you know, what I see is one of the biggest pain points in the music industry from, you know, from myself and kind of my colleagues to new creators, my students, and, and, you know, and certainly Lander users as well, which is the fractionalization of creator tools, right? It's like, you know, if you want to be a videographer, or you want to be a photographer or whatever, you can, you can do that relatively easily without having to piece together 10 different products to pull it off. Right. But in the music space, we're still, that's still not necessarily the case. You need a DAW, you need plugins, you need distribution, you need mixing and mat, all this stuff. Right. And oftentimes those are offered by different companies who do amazing jobs at those tools and services. But, um, but yeah, it seems to be a recurring issue that we, we, we come back to. And that's what that was really about is how I see the kind of the future of the music industry and, and the companies that are going to be, have the biggest footprint and impact kind of tying a lot of those disparate things together into, you know, turnkey solutions for people to kind of get their feet wet and then progress from there, you know, and, and add on to that. And that's really what that was about. What was the reaction like to that piece? Honestly, amazing. Probably better than anything I've ever done in the industry professionally. Wow. Wow. I had, you know, the heads of most, many, I won't say most, but many, many uh, major music tech companies, software and hardware, reach out to comment on that. So the impact of it was great for me personally and certainly for Lander. It really helped us kind of explain 
the methodology and, and really kind of where the heart of our company is, right? That's what I was really doing with that. I mean, I love it be, be, because like, you know, I've been looking around for what's the billboard of the musical instrument and music making software world. And there's lots of trades. They're very focused on product reviews um, and yeah, pretty much technology and product, but there's not a lot about like trends and about like bigger news stories or, or patterns. I don't know whether it's because those companies uh, play their cards very close. It's very competitive or that's just, you know, they're, I guess maybe they're based on product advertising and so their editorial is the same, but, but, uh, so, so to have a piece like that in billboard is cool because I think it does make that connection and there's not a, there's not another place for it in the musical instrument side of things. So I'm sure that's why you got a reaction is because people don't get to talk about that stuff that much, you know? <laughs> yeah, agreed. So I'm curious, Daniel, how has that spirit of empowering the creation process influenced what you guys are building and have built it at Lander? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kind of, as I mentioned a minute ago, it's, it's, the, it's the heart of who we are. And that's really all I was kind of describing in that article. So, you know, our, our mission as a company has grown over the years based upon feedback from our users and what they want. You know, we started as a mastering, automated mastering company, as, as many people probably know. But, you know, we, we've grown now into a complete end-to-end -end creator tools ecosystem that I don't think has ever been built before because of, you know, seeing that those pain points from our users and, and their experiences trying to make music and, and get their music out there, right? So, so yeah, that's, that's really it. And now, you know, we, we recently launched Lander Studio, which is which is our kind of full fledged subscription tier, which has, you know, I, just to go through it. I mean, it's it's unlimited AI mastering, it's unlimited distribution, it's mil, you know, a couple million samples. We've got plugins that we now develop that are really you know user friendly, like simple but powerful to kind of meet people and don't, not expect them to have a, a ton of knowledge to come in and use them, but still sound great for professionals. We do as Patrick. I'll have him chat about this, but like collaboration tools like you know real-time collaboration asynchronous project management for for the average person and for labels mobile apps it's you know and, and the biggest thing we probably added you know we we're able to do a lot but we're still not you know we can't do everything so we partnered with you know over 20 um plugin companies to provide perpetual licenses of key plugins of things like you know various virtual instruments and high-end mixing plugins and all of this stuff and it was really great to see a lot of who could have been potential competitors super embrace this idea of of supporting a platform that kind of addresses everybody's needs and you know see it as a great brand relationship for them as well and that includes berkeley college of music and a bunch of educational companies too so you, you know, being long winded, but it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a super broad platform, you know, and for whatever it is, 13 bucks a month or something like that, you get all that. So we're, we're really, really proud of it. So it's really thinking yeah, about that, that cr creator, like all this dispersed stuff and getting it into, to one place, right? Yeah. And doing it in a way that's not just doing a bunch of partnerships where it's all kind of tacked together, right? It's a cohesive ecosystem created by one company. And I think that's important because it's not just throwing a bunch of stuff at people. You really need to kind of shepherd them along that journey. You can't assume everyone's been in the music industry for 20 years and knows about, about this stuff. The majority of creators haven't. And, and I, you know, it's ridiculous to kind of be old school and expect, no, they should learn and level up or go to school or intern. No, they should have access to all of this stuff and, and companies should support that. And a big part of that for us is these, the, the recent collaboration tools we've launched, because we find that the thing that keeps people coming back to making music is when they can share it and get support in that process. And I know Patrick's been working a lot on that. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies are going vertical and we've really 
you know, spent the last three, four or five years now almost like going horizontal and creating this simplified, um, just completely sewn together experience so that, you know, you may come for mastering or you may come for distribution and then you discover that with your package, you get some plugins that you can learn how to mix from or you can connect with someone on the network and get some feedback on your in-progress mixes and ultimately just keep everything in one simple place. And I think that's one of the toughest things for, for new creators. Where do I find the tools? Where do I find the support? How do I, how do I push the progress that I need to do to get my you know, music to where I want it to be? So I think the, the Lander Studio offering is really embodying everything that we've been uh, uh, hearing from our users and, and, and wanting to achieve on their behalf. You know? Super cool. It's neat to hear a little bit about the sort of kind of the philosophy behind it and interesting that 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 billboard piece kind of painted the picture of that a bit and then to get to talk to you about like how that's impacting um, the, pr the product too. And we'll, we'll get more into that, I think, as, as we talk. But are there other like broad level emerging trends in music creation, maybe software that you guys are keeping keeping an eye on? Daniel, do you have any that come to mind? Sure. Um, and this kind of plays into our ethos as well, you know, I, I'm super focused, you know, we started obviously as an AI mastering company. So providing, you know, intelligent assistance for people who are trying to achieve a certain goal. And it's it's been really nice to see, you know, we were kind of first movers in that space to see how that's, uh, you know, spread into other areas of the industry. So definitely keeping my eye on AI creator assistant stuff, particularly in the composition space, right? So we see companies like, uh, you know, uh, orb composer suite and things that mixed in key are doing where they're they're creating plugins that give people suggestions and help them refine their ideas all the way to things like boomy which are completely you know generative for all intents and purposes and i think regardless of what your opinions are on that type of stuff it, it's something we're going to see more of and i think it's important because it helps empower people more than i think it does remove their creative input right it's really when you can have that back and forth and, and help people who don't have a lot of knowledge create stuff that they, that surprises them and that they're proud of and then they will continue to level up and learn more about music and more about technology and make better art so that's that's a big thing that we're looking at cool patrick what about you what are some trends that you're keeping an eye on yeah i mean i think we'd be remiss not to talk about the impact that the different uh, emerging social media platforms are having on the way people create hmm. and how they engage with their fans and you know, ultimately, that's that's causing all sorts of new mobile applications and and cloud-based solutions that en enable basically these this like faster, shorter uh, creation cycles. And it's it's just kind of something that we need to key into. I think we're gonna see a lot of change management slowly happen as more and more kind of storage and power moves to the cloud. But uh, it's definitely something that, you know, plays into the hand of AI as well, because most of that needs to be cloud based anyways, or at least have uh, a large data set that's been collected from, you know, a user user sourced. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, that's really I mean, that's a huge that's a huge trend to think about. I mean, I think for a while everyone was talking about 5G and what the impact of that's going to be, because, you know, it, it frees you up to be anywhere. If you just have a mobile device, you don't need as much equipment. Um, you know, obviously you might still think about mics or monitoring and, and, and things like that, but maybe with some of the stuff that Daniel was talking about in terms of the AI stuff, maybe you don't have to record as much. You select some things or you, you select influences and, and things like that. But that's, that's super interesting to hear you guys thinking about those types of things. And, uh, it, it seems like it's got a real future, a future bent to it, that it's not about how are people creating music right now solely, but also about how that's going to evolve, especially for their needs, like you said, on, on social media or other just like digital ways of, of connecting and sharing music. Yeah. 
So um, I, I have another one for you that I'm, I'm curious about um, because we see a lot of talk about music and gaming and some of that has to do with how music's being used in games. But it seems like even with Patrick, your comments about how people are creating music on social media, mu- uh, social media, it's like it's like there's a gamified process to that too. Like if you look at, you know, TikTok alone, where you're you're putting music on top of, of videos, um, or um, you know, ways in which people are doing duets and things that never existed before. Uh, some some of the social media technology things. As music creation continues to become democratized, democratized. I'm curious what you think uh, gamification, how, how, how that comes into play, what the impact is there. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting as the creative like cycles shorten with the tools that either enable faster composition or just a quicker way to express yourself. We're seeing people kind of have fun with music in ways that are different than just like locking themselves up in a studio for months at a time and then sitting on a record for a couple months and then going on tour. You know, I think there's a lot of um, creativity being sparked with, like you mentioned, something like duets where you can just pick a track that maybe an AI generated and then uh, shine on social media with, you know, the quality of your voice or just the fact that you've got a choreographed dance or something like that. And I think, you know, with the the NFTs and for lack of a better word, but this kind of tokenization of of digital assets is also going to unlock this ability for people to extend this like trend in crowdfunding for for albums and and move it towards kind of like a fan ownership and people can kind of share in the uh, the financial incentives there as, as far as gamification goes. What, what about you, Daniel? Are you thinking about uh, gamification and, and how that influences uh, how you guys think about product and, and uh, creating music? Yeah, I mean, 100%. You know, it's, I'm super involved in the Web3 space as well, so I'm a huge, huge fan of that, though, you know, Lander's not necessarily moving in that direction. But we, you know, we have done some some competitions and things like that where we allow fans to kind of participate in the creative process because, I mean, that really is the hallmark of a lot of what we're seeing, even on social media, right? There's such an immediacy now to feedback. So for fans now to be able to, uh, you know, participate in the success of the artists that they love and be rewarded for their fandom, I think is, is super cool. And that's, that's a big part of that, I think is kind of the gamification of, of creation and, and of, in a fandom, honestly. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask you a little bit more about music collaboration. We'll be right back. Hey, all you Music Tectonics podcast listeners, it's Shaylee here with another Music Tectonics conference update. This time, I wanted to share with you all of the fun and exciting stuff we have planned for the first day of the conference, October 25th. We're going to kick off at 3 p.m. at the Carousel on the Santa Monica Pier. For those of you who attended last year, you can attest that the Carousel is super fun, super crazy pants. We're going to have a bunch of demos from companies who participated in our pitch competition, along with several experiential demos. We're going to have Amaze VR there. You can get that Meg the Stallion VR experience right up close and personal. Uh, Artifon's going to be there with their Orba 2, Tribe XR. We're really going to try and walk the walk we talk in the next couple days, get that music tech demo insight before we have those conversations. And then immediately following at the carousel is going to be our opening party sponsored by Sound Exchange. It's going to be from five to seven. We're going to have tacos, drinks. You can hop on the carousel, meet people. It's going to be a great time, great way to kick off the conference. Uh, I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to see you all there. 
Be sure to get your badge at musictectonics.com. Hey, Patrick, we, so we've heard a lot of talk about music collaboration. And when you think about technology's impact, a lot has happened with something like, say, sampling, which has been going on for a long time, and then beats and sound pack marketplaces, where I, I would say like you sort of start to see the mashup influence from those things pointing towards more collaboration. And then, of course, the pandemic pushed a lot of people towards remote collaboration tools. What are the biggest challenges in remote collaboration? And, and how do you guys think they can be solved? And maybe also, what are yeah. the biggest opportunities, too? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Super interesting, um, especially, you know, because we all lived through the pandemic together and we had lots of users on the, the marketplace and our network reach out to us and, and tell us a couple of things. You know, one, how can I create more opportunity for myself? Two, that they were getting tons of, of, of new revenue from uh, remote work. You know, one one artist, uh, Thomas Cullison, a little shout out here. He actually uh, reached out to us and told us basically like, he used to be in a studio 100% of the time, and now 80 to 90% of his revenue is generated through remote collaborations that he gets through Lander. Wow. So I think there's there's a real um, realization that you know that the long-standing tradition of being in a studio is kind of um, you know it's it's still idyllic and it's iconic to be in a great space, but there's more and more that's possible either in your studio studio bedroom or you know whether you're on a flight like I've brought a machine controller onto a flight before and made some beats just for the fun of it. But I think people are realizing that you know with with a solid video chat software that allows you to stream DAW directly or uh, DAW audio directly to your uh, contributors or even you know the idea of uh, housing all of your files in one singular place, you can really actually move a project forward much faster asynchronously than you can um, do, you know, kind of like huddled over the the, the SSL desk in uh, the Abbey Road studio or something. I'm sure they're, they're not using the SSL. It's probably a red. But uh, in any case, I think, um, you know, what what we're looking for as far as an opportunity goes is to provide our users with a sense of immediacy and mobility that's really going to help them unlock their ability to create and access creativity anywhere in the world. So that's why we've been spending the uh, past um, little while working on a mobile application. So it's a, it's a bit hush-hush right now, but uh, we are going to be opening a wait list very shortly that's going to allow people to uh, listen to their tracks on the go, whether it's masters, originals, and also to um, message and video chat uh, directly from either their iPhone or Android devices. And we're, we're really excited about this because we think it's kind of the, the last link to tie um, Lander both to you and to your studio by giving you something that you can carry around with your pocket and have that constant connectivity with your clients, with your uh, uh, bandmates, or uh, maybe it's just your friends shooting some demos back and forth trying to get uh, someone's ear on, on a new track. So it's like taking the, the mobility of something like text messaging, the simplicity of that, and being able to continue to like, maybe you're not recording on the street or in, in the subway or on the bus or anything, but you're continuing that collaboration process of, of sharing notes back and forth and sending tracks back and forth. Is that, is that what you're getting at there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, usually the first thing someone does when they step out of the studio is jump into their car and try and put their mix on their on their sound <laughs> system, right? Do do a car check or maybe they're hopping on the bus or the metro and they, they kind of want to reflect on what they've just accomplished in the studio. And we want to give people that experience and then also be able to quickly, you know, text the file to someone, uh, sh shoot over, uh, you know, some comments from 
a demo that you got from your bandmate or something like that. And uh, I think mobile is a no-brainer for this. So we, we're, we're definitely looking at that as a big opportunity for us. Did you call that a car check? Is that what that's called? Is that a real sure. thing? Yeah. Or did you make that out? <laughs> you, you tell me, Daniel. Is that a real <laughs> I thing, like Daniel? car check. We're yeah. using that from now on. I think we should do a series. Like it should just be car checks. Come out of the studio and and broadcast your car check right away. You know, like get some nice. feedback. And uh, of course, I think people like it because sometimes their car is their best stereo, right? That's the best. That's right. Best speakers, yeah. and, and it's and it's enclosed and and so forth. That's interesting. It's a f- interesting film. But Patrick, you said so much else even before we got to the the mobile piece. Just about you know artists that are that are getting tons of uh, collaborative revenue generating opportunities um, and. And just all the ways in which people are that just the phenomenon of of being able to cr- uh, collaborate asynchronously in a way that's actually more more efficient than being crowded around one one sound desk or, or something like that. Um, that that seems to me like maybe that's an emerging that's an emerging production technique that that probably came out of um, necessity, but then became sort of like an innovation that actually brought more more value. Yeah, it's interesting because historically I've always thought of, you know, uh, the, the drummers, which are usually the people that are hardest to get organized and, and hardest to get to commit to like several rehearsals, rehearsals or something like that. They were kind of the first ones to move towards remote recording because, you know, they're at their house, they've got their drum kit set up, they've got their mic sound tuned in. And every time they get a request, it's easier for them instead of packing up, setting up, tearing down um, to just punch out a couple takes fly it over, uh, you know, using uh, the cloud, you know, file exchange, and then to, to drop it into the DAW. So I think, you know, bass players and guitarists started following suit. And now it's just, it's so common for people to just fly tracks in and out uh, of production. So I think it's it's definitely here to stay. It's interesting because people talk so much about the the move from from studio recording setups to, to bedroom producers, right? And that's that's sort of the the cliche phrase that indicates a shift to more democratization, more empowerment, because yeah, a computer is still expensive for some people, but it's way less expensive than a studio itself, like a full-on uh, studio with traditional uh, hardware recording uh, equipment. Um, and what you're saying kind of implies to me that there's this other level that now I see why you're getting so excited about the mobile side is it's not just unlocking the cost of um, of the equipment or, or even the software, but it's actually unlocking, it's almost like time travel. It's like unlocking the necessity of being together at the same time. The cost of getting people together is kind of like, is kind of like the opposite of time travel. So if you have a way of doing it without having to be in the same place, in a way, you're and not not to say that people shouldn't collaborate in person either, but just just I can imagine as we hear about that what you know when it was forty thousand tracks getting delivered to Spotify every day, then it was fifty thousand. Now I read seventy five thousand. Who knows how many tracks it is? And then there's also the reports of and many of them have never had a single play or whatever. But it, it's really an indicator that there's more music being created, which means more people are involved with. Creating music I could see where the time kind of the time relief of the type of collaboration you're talking about w- will really not only speed this up um, in, ter- in terms of more cre- more more music being created but also change the sound of music too right like allow for more creativity allow you to try things that nobody would have tried when it was so expensive yeah and in in addition to that it's not just about time it's also about access right I mean we you know being able to work with anybody in the world, 
you know, uh, that you would normally, that doesn't live in your town, right? They can't come by the studio necessarily. A big, a strong part of our platform is our, is the community. I mean, we have thousands and thousands of profiles of people from, you know, people who have just started making music last week to people who have won, you know, 20 Grammys and, and multi-platinum every other week. And they, you can communicate with all of them, right? And some of them you can just collaborate with, others you can hire, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the time saving, you know, via the technology, but then I think it's all, yeah, it really is. Ultimately it comes down to people in, in, in access and community. So that's, that's a big part of what we're doing as well. Awesome. All right. We got to take another quick break. And when we get back, it's time to get sci-fi. We'll be right back. Hey, all you music tectonics podcast listeners. Shaylee here with a Music Tectonics Conference update. I wanted to share with you who the finalists were in this year's Swimming with Narwhals Music Tech Pitch Competition. Finalists include AudioShake, Toonie, Opener, and Victors. Find links to all those websites in the show notes. Judges this year for the final pitch competition include Meng Ru Kwok with Caldecott Ventures and BandLab, Brian McMahon at Expert Dojo, and Joe Tu with Sony Ventures. The final competition is taking place on October 26th at 5 p.m. Pacific at the Low Santa Monica Beach Hotel, and there will be a reception immediately following. Get your badges for the Music Tectonics Conference at www.musictectonics.com. All right, now it's time to get sci-fi. What do you imagine being groundbreaking technology or trends five to ten years from now in music creation and, and music tech? Uh, which one of you wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, Daniel. So, uh, yeah, so this one, and who knows, any, these days, five to ten years could be two years. You know what I mean? Like, things are changing so fast, it's crazy, but... Yeah, I'm working on a little bit of this, of, of this now, but if people are familiar with Dolly 2 and Midjourney in the, the text to art generative stuff that's going on, um, that's you know now really starting to slowly be applied to music where you can speak or type descriptors about what you want and it will you know be created from effectively the ether. <laughs> and I think that's that's really interesting and it's already been built into some products. So we're starting to see that productize. And I think over the next five years, you're going to see a lot of that. And again, it's lowering that barrier of entry to people who have ideas in their head about what they might want or influence of things they like and being able to describe those and, and see them fleshed out and then move on from there. I think it, it, we're going to see a fair bit of that crazy as that is. I got to ask you, Daniel, I mean, you've been a, a, a music producer yourself, a musician um, for your whole career. Does it feel weird for you after investing so much time in, in learning the craft and figuring out how to make a living at it and so forth to now know that somebody might just type a couple of keystrokes and say they're making music? You know, it, you, it's something that at a point in my career, it probably would have bugged me. But I think I've now been spent, you know, a decade kind of on the forefront of building some of that stuff. So I don't <laughs> I don't because I think. Anything that allows people, that gives them access to be creative, I think is awesome. And I think ultimately um, people will find ways to use and abuse technology for that purpose. And I think that's great. I mean, people look at what people are doing with Midjourney and Dolly. They're creating art that they're taking into Photoshop and then they're messing up and they're, they're basically sampling and resampling the same things that we do with music. So no, I don't, I don't I'm not threatened by it and I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a conduit for people to 
to get interested in the space and learn more. And maybe they learn an instrument. Maybe they learn how to, you know, produce using some more advanced tools and maybe they don't. I think there's ultimately always a place for humans who are really good at what they do. Uh, and, you know, I think people are have more fear of, of AI and technology than they probably should because it's good, but it's not perfect. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I could see that for some people, it becomes the gateway to just start doing anything sonically creative. And for some people, it could actually be an inspiration. Like maybe they're already, they already have a musical or sonic kind of talent and it's sort of like their muse, right? It, it gives them something 100%. to work with. A hundred percent. I've even, you know, I can write music and I can decently play instruments and I've absolutely collaborated with AI to come up with, you know, ideas and hired a chamber quartet to play them. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So at the end, you would never know because real it's I'm resampling it back through real musicians who are reinterpreting themselves. So I just think there's there's so much you can do besides just pressing a button and getting a little, you know, generative piece of music. You just have to think a little deeper about it. It's Patrick, I want to get you get you in on this too for in a minute, but 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 just real quick, Daniel, like it's so interesting to me to hear you say that now at this moment in time of where Lander is too, um, given that the origins of Lander was using AI around mastering and the, you know, the first thing was creating access, right? Allowing people to to have the ability to master their songs because they might not have been able to afford it before, or or at least might not have spent the money on it or 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 whatever. And then I, I know I've heard you guys talk about how AI mastering, the the efficient, cost-effective mastering had led to use cases that had never existed before, where people were like, let me A-B test it before it's even done to see what instruments to add, or um, let me A-B test it just to get different, you know, just get a different feel for, for the mixing or, or things like that. A hundred percent. And it's, you know, yeah, well, it's always interesting when you build something to see how people use it in ways you didn't, you know, imagine. And we've certainly seen that with Lander. And, you know, it's been, we've been around for what, nine years now. And the mastering industry, by the way, hasn't gone anywhere. I'm a mastering engineer and I master more music now than I ever have. We've just seen, you know, a much larger community of creators understand and adopt, you know, mastering and polishing of their music at an earlier stage, which again, like I said before, a percentage of them then transition to, you know, a point where they can afford to hire a mastering engineer if they want to or continue with AI or do both. Right. So it's really, uh, yeah, I mean, anything that, that casts a wider net that, that allows creators to get in, you know, the way that they can get into photography and video and even gaming and building stuff in Roblox. Now, like the music industry is just lagged behind that a little bit. And I think tools that support that, whether it's AI mastering or any of the other stuff we discussed are, are cool. You guys were definitely the right ones to ask the sci-fi question. Patrick, I see you've got your, your laser guns ablaze and your rockets ready to roll. I'm curious what you think. Uh, what's the sci-fi breakthroughs you're hoping to see or expecting to see in the next decade or whenever? <laughs> yeah, I think Daniel's uh, probably about two to five, like you said. I'm going to shoot right 10 years uh, ahead, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that you know this this idea of the bedroom studio being a couple pieces of analog gear and a, and a an audio card is one thing but you know i really think that the the vr suite with you know essentially uh the equivalent of like slate vfx headphones where it's emulating a great recording environment through your playback system with basically a tablet you know minority report style where you're mixing with your hands and doing all this kind of stuff i think it's kind of inevitable that people are going to be logging into a studio instead of you know like 
going to a studio. And I think it's it's just going to be a natural progression that people are going to want to see. They're going to be buying these VR headsets for different reasons and then realizing that they can create music through them as well in a really rich and uh, kind of engrossing emulation of what you know we've come to know and, and appreciate as like a studio experience. I'm glad you brought that one up. We actually are going to have a couple of interesting examples of experiences at the the carousel on the first day of the Music Tectonics Conference, um, including uh, TribeXR, which does VR music creation. I, I think DJ. it's DJ stuff now, but yeah, I love it. A few yeah. more years from now, and I bet it'll be what you're describing, Patrick. So I'm super yeah. super psyched you brought that one up on your own, and 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 people can actually come to the conference. Uh, in a couple of weeks and and put on a headset and experience it. They can also experience, uh, you know, Megan the Stallion dancing right in front of them because Amaze VR will be there. Um, we've got some of the, the I mean, she, I don't know if you've had that experience yet, but Wild. it looks like she's like just yeah. inches from your face dancing as she does. Um, we'll just leave it there. Um, leave that to your imagination. And until you get to the to the carousel at Tectonics, we'll also have Orba. We'll be doing some demos too with, the, with, the, with that cool thing. And... Uh, uh, Daniel, you'll be there on a panel about uh, collaborative creation uh, with fans, uh, which will be cool. I know Tatiana Sirisano from Media Research is going to be moderating the panel, and uh, we'll have more to announce on that by the time this podcast comes out, actually. But but Daniel, you're, you're coming out big at Music Tectonics once again. I'm curious, what do you hope out of attending a conference like Tectonics? What do you, what do you guys hope to get there? Well, you know, having attended it before, I kind of, I, I know what to to predict world domination is what I want to come out of music. No, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just been an awesome place to meet, learn about new tech first of all, and meet and brainstorm with people who are, who are doing next level stuff. So, I mean, the, the typically the, the kind of partnerships, both things I'm coming into the conference, hoping to, you know, to execute on. And then things that just, the, the best part is right. That things that just kind of organically pop up in conversations you have and, and, you know, panels you go to and stuff, those are, you know, yeah, that's that's really what I'm looking to get out of it is just, you know, finding new places for, you know, Lander to new partners for Lander to work with new technology we might not have thought of to integrate in what we're doing and hopefully be able to provide value to some so, some other partners. Awesome. Well, it's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm super glad we got to talk today. Patrick, thanks for coming on the show. Daniel, great to have you as well. Looking forward to seeing you at the conference. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.